You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. How we doing? We doing good? Let me hear you out there maybe one more time. Some of you are doing pretty good. Thank you for being the remnant left by the July 4th holiday. We pray long lines at the restaurants and sunburn on all of our, but no, we don't. Uh, uh, we obviously, man, it's a, it's a holiday week, and if you are, some of you may be traveling when you leave here today, but man, we're glad you're here. We're glad that God allowed you to be here, and we hope that you experience something powerful this morning. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Vintage. Uh, if you are a regular here, if you're a partner of our church, if you're part of this congregation, this body, this family, thank you for allowing me to be your pastor. Thank you for a just so faithfully supporting what we do here at Vintage. And if today is your first time, we would love to get to know you and help you discover more about what God is doing here at Vintage. There's a little card either in your seat or a seat nearby you. If you'd fill that out at some point this morning, drop it by the White Connections tent. We have a couple of volunteers there that have just a small token of our appreciation that they would like to hand you. You're going to get some emails. We're not going to show up at your house. We're not going to bring you a loaf of bread because none of us know how to make bread. So we're just going to send you some emails to say, hey, Thank you for worshiping with us. How can we support you? What questions do you have? Just helping you kind of get assimilated. And if you're looking for a church to call home, we hope that maybe God would allow this to be that place for you. Um, So if you wouldn't mind doing that. Let me catch you up today on some cool things that are happening. Uh, Number one, right now we're in uh, a a small season where we don't have to set up and tear down. For those of you who don't know this, um, we don't have a set up ferry. Um, Yeah. Those are set up volunteers that are like, thank you, Jesus. We don't have to say it now. Um, and so we want to take advantage of that. And so one of the things that we're going to do, um, we do something around here a couple times a year called uh, Pray First, where we spend 21 days just kind of committing to prayer in some form or fashion. And so we want to do a Prayer First event this week. So this Thursday morning at 7 a.m., some of y'all said, oh, Lord, 7, 8, 7 comes twice a day? Yes, it does. 7 a.m., we're going to gather together in this room for a time of worship, communion, and prayer. Um, so if you're an early bird, um, or if you're not an early bird, and maybe you just want to carve out some time, this Thursday, July the 6th at 7 a.m., and from 7 to 8, we hope that would be a time that would catch the most amount of people. Maybe you have to be at work at 8.30 or 9, or maybe you have a boss you're supposed to be work at 8, but you tell him you're coming to worship Jesus, and in Jesus' name, he needs to let you do this. Um, but from 7 to 8, we're going to come in here, and Christian, who's our worship pastor, is going to do some acoustic worship with us. Uh, I'm going to deliver just a brief little word from, from God's Word that I hope will inspire your day. We're going to take communion, and we're going to pray. Um, and just want to take advantage of the fact that we're gonna, we can come and leverage this room right now. And so mark your calendars um, for this Thursday morning at 7 a.m. and come and hang out with us for an hour of prayer and worship and communion. It's a good way to start your day. You know how many times that we look in scripture where it says Jesus very early in the morning. He got up, he left the other disciples, and he kind of separated himself to pray and to seek God. And so I, I promise you if you come that it'll be an awesome time together. Another time of worship that's going to be outside of our normal worship uh, on, on Sunday is uh, July the 22nd. We're going to have a, an above and beyond vision night. We've had a lot of people been asking, what's going on with our building? What's going on with that whole initiative and that whole campaign? And so we're going to have a time just to kind of catch you up to speed and worship the Lord and tell you what God is putting on our hearts next and how you can maybe support and pray and be involved in that. That's Saturday evening, July the 22nd at 
6.30 p.m. in this room. We're going to spend some time seeking God for what he has next as we move along that journey. And so mark those two dates. Uh, if you don't have the Vintage app, the Vintage app is a great way for you to stay up to date with all the things that are happening. If some of you guys aren't social media people, but maybe you have a smartphone, you can download the Vintage app, and there's an events page there that'll keep you up to date. Um, you can also allow it to give you push notifications to remind you of all these cool things that are happening. And so it's just going to be an awesome, awesome summer. We've had an awesome time in this series. Next Sunday, we begin a new series on worship. We're going to spend several weeks just talking about what worship is. It's going to be called In Spirit and Truth. And so we're going to talk about really God's heart for worship because you do realize that worship is bigger than what happens here every weekend. Amen? Like if, if you waited to start worshiping when you walked in these doors, you are not having a very good time of worship. Amen, somebody. Worship is so much more than that, and it involves more than just singing. Thank God worship is more than singing because I can't sing. Chris, you laughed kind of hard at that, man. I'm just going to go ahead and say it's okay. So make sure you're here next Sunday, but today we finish a series called This Is Vintage. And we're, we, we kind of scheduled this series for this season and this time because actually last Saturday, June the 24th, 10 years ago last Saturday was when Ashley and I moved up here to begin this journey. And it's been a crazy 10 years. It's hard to believe. 10 years. We packed up this big, long U-Haul, put everything that we owned, which wasn't a whole lot, um, in South Carolina, and we moved up here to start this thing called Vintage Church, and it has been an incredible journey. And I've just spent the last several months as we've kind of come to this milestone, this 10-year anniversary, thinking about all that God has done. And it's kind of weird, because when you move up here, I, we basically just moved up here with, with a figment of our imagination. I mean, this wasn't really even, even a church yet. It was something that God was brewing and, and, and stirring in my heart, and it was basically me and my wife, and my dad had just retired from uh, pastoring for almost 40 years, and, and we hoped that they would be a part of that because we needed at least one other couple that had the ability to tithe. And so there was basically four of us, and a year later there was 12 of us. And those 12 just decided, you know what, we don't know what we're doing, but we're just going to start having Sunday morning gatherings, and, and I, I don't have enough time to tell you all the story, but that 12 has turned into, I think right now, throughout this year, we're close to averaging about 500 people on a Sunday, um, and God's seen, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of people, literally hundreds and hundreds of people accept Jesus over the last 10 years. That's the most important thing. But the further away you get from something from the time something began, the easier it is to drift from why it was started. Right? I mean, the, the further you get from why something began, it's really, really easy to drift from why it was started. And so I've just been kind of been taking some inventory. Are, God, are we the church that you, that you put in our hearts in the beginning? Or are we becoming something that, that you didn't want us to be, you don't want us to be? And if that's the case, then, then, then show us, like, what do we need to do in order to be not who we want to be, not who we're comfortable being, but who you want us to be? And it kind of reminded me of several things. And, 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 and just to kind of catch you up with what we've been talking about throughout this series is, you know, we started this church to inspire people to live in love like Jesus. That's our mission. That's our goal. And so if, if you're wondering, maybe you're, this is your first Sunday, or maybe you've just been coming for a little while, you're like, why is this church really here? There's, there's churches all over the place. We are here to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. That our hope is because of what we do, that people walk away from everything that has our name on it, inspired to go into a deep relationship with Jesus. 
And you know what I discovered since we moved it was, is there's a lot of people, we live in the South, right? We in the heart of the Bible belt, come on. And so when we moved here, people were like, well, everybody, there's so many churches, like you can stand in the parking lot of a church and take a rock and throw it and hit another church. And some people have done that. Like, why do you, and this is what we discovered. There's a lot of people in our, in our culture that believe in God. I don't, we didn't come here to get people to believe in God. We came here to get people to be in relationship with Jesus. And you know, there's a difference between believing in God and having an intimate relationship with Jesus. Come on. Like, those are not the same things. The devil believes in God. Probably more than you do. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about this deep relationship that infiltrates every little nook and cranny of who you are. Every portion of your life. A deep, committed, faithful relationship with Jesus. Where you wake up every day and and, and you spend time with him and you talk to him and you look to him for the solution and and the reason and the purpose of everything that you are. Not just like this thing that we do on Sunday mornings or this book that we have on our Bible or this label that we have Christian because that's what grandma was and that's what mama was and that's what I'm going to be and my kids, that's what they're going to be. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus. And what I've been, God's been teaching me here the last several months is like any relationship, our relationship with Jesus is rooted in trust. Amen? And that God, and so this line came to me as we prepared for this series, and I've shared it with you every week that I've had the opportunity to bring the word during it. God does not want you to follow him blindly. He wants you to trust him completely. God does not, is not looking for people to follow him blindly. He wants you to trust him completely because if you're going to have the kind of relationship that I'm talking about, the kind of relationship that this church came to help you have, you've got to trust God completely, and until you trust God completely, you'll never follow him consistently. And so the question is, all right, how do we get to that place? Because I don't know about you, but, but that's not natural for me. Anybody else feel me? Like, that's not natural for me because we're working against things that we experience in our lives that cause us to question whether or not we can trust God. If you've ever experienced something that made you question whether or not you could trust God, would you say amen? We all have. We go through painful, difficult things in our lives. And sometimes we look at God and we're like, God, I don't get you. <laughs> and if you're going to allow me to go through this, I don't know if I can trust you. And so we're working against all those things in our lives. And so if we're going to grow our trust in God, then we have to engage the things that build that trust. And to me, that's a big part of why the church exists. The church exists to help provide you things to engage that will build your trust in God. We're not here to entertain you. We're not here just so you can check off a box. We're not here so that you can take your kids to kids' ministry for an hour and come in here and take a really good, much-needed nap. We're here to help you follow deeper in love with Jesus. But for you to do that, you've got to engage in some things. And there's, there's four things we've been talking about that I think the church, there's a lot of things, pretty much everything can grow your faith. But there's four things that we think we can do as a church that will help you grow your trust in Jesus. Number one is, is understanding Scripture. You don't know God if you don't know God's word. Understanding scripture, like understanding what God's word really says. Not, not just memorizing scripture, not just knowing what the Bible, I'm talking about understanding what he says in his word that can make a big difference in how you live your life and how you approach every single thing that you do. Understanding scripture. 
building relationships. Relationships are so key to us making it in this faith journey. We need people around us to pray for us and support us and be there for us. And God did not create this Christian life to be lived in isolation. We need community. We need to build relationships, serving others. Like, we like those first two. Like, okay, I can, re- I can read the Bible. I can listen to a sermon. I can be friends with people, but I got to do something? Yes. Nothing grows your faith like serving others. And those of you who have actively, intentionally done that, you know that. When we serve other people, and Casey brought a great word on serving last week. Before that, Chris brought a great word on building relationships. But there's a final thing, sharing your faith. Sharing your faith does so much in helping you go deeper with God and better understand who he is and trust him more. And so as a church, we're trying to provide different environments, like, like a weekend worship gathering. Like That's why that we think these, this is one of the best environments for you to understand God's word, because we work really hard to prepare messages and teach the word every single Sunday. Like I have people say all the time, one of the greatest compliments that we can get when people walk out of here on Sunday morning was, like, I understood that. I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Like, so some of us grew up in the church, and we still don't know what the preacher was talking about when we were, like, 15 years old. He's talking, he's using all these big words and reading in the Queen's English, and we don't have a clue what he's saying, but we was at church. We want to create an atmosphere that we call life groups that give you an opportunity to build those relationships. And can I just say, I know sometimes that's difficult, and we've had people say, look, you know, I'm trying, I'm having, we went to a new format not long ago, and, and, and we're finding that it's kind of feast or famine. There's a lot of people that are really having success in their life groups, and some people kind of struggling to do that. Let me just say, we're, we're continuing to think of how to tweak that, and, and some new things are going to be coming in the fall, some changes that we think we're going to make to help you do that. So work with us, and be patient, because we want you to live in community, and we we want you to have relationships with people. We want to create an opportunity through ministry teams. Like the people that serve on, like every weekend, they, they'll tell you how their faith is growing through even serving on our host team or, or, or through the worship arts ministry or, or whatever. Like God is using those things. But there's one discussion that we really need to have, and that's about a platform for you to share your faith through things that we call outreach initiatives. Because sharing our faith is at the core of who we are as a church. I think we are most like the church that God desires us to be when we're doing everything that we can to reach outside the walls of the church and connect with people who don't know God. Come on, you follow me? Because see, here's another thing that tends to happen as churches grow. And this has been the epidemic of church, especially in the South, but in North America. Like the longer that we go in existence, the more inward we begin to come. Like we've become these little holy huddles. Somebody's got to get what I'm saying, right? Where we've gotten to this place where we, we just kind of turn inward, where it comes so much about us. And we want, we want all these different programs, all the stuff that, that, that helps us and serves us. And before you know it, we become this group of people that is so focused on each other, we forget that we began as a place that would reach out to other people for the purpose of bringing them into relationship with Jesus. This verse has been referenced the last several weeks. Acts chapter 2. And, and just to remind you, this church was, was birthed out of some time that God planted me in the book of Acts. And what I saw in the book of Acts was not like the church that I grew up in. 
I saw this beautifully organic movement of God that just saw all kinds of cool things happening and didn't have people arguing over whether or not they were going to change the color of the pews or whether or not they were going to do contemporary or, or hymn worship and all these other stupid things that the church has fought about. I saw this beautiful thing that all they cared about was loving each other and serving each other and lifting up Jesus and making Jesus known. That's the church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, this is, this is the church being the church in the book of Acts. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They came together corporately to worship God. They broke bread in their homes. They hung out together and did life and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And then this last line, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That when the church was being the church, every day people were getting saved. Every day people were coming to know Jesus. Every day lost people were being found. And some of us grew up in churches that we can remember maybe years going by without a salvation. Can I submit to you? Can I say something really bold? If a church goes a year without a salvation, it's not a church. If a church goes 12 months with not a single person coming to know Jesus, it's just a social club. It's not a church. You know why? Because this, this is what Jesus said. Remember, like, like this whole idea of inspiring people to live in love like Jesus, it didn't come from us. We didn't, we didn't read a book to come up with that. We read the book to come up with that. Because it's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20, after he had rose from the dead, before he ascended back to the Father, when he gathered this group of ragtag individuals that would be the leaders in this new thing called the church, he looked at them and said, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said, all right, I'm, I'm leaving, but the work that I've started is not finished. You're going to be the ones that continued that work. And so imagine what the disciples would have done if they'd have been like most of the churches we would have grown up in. They would have went and, and erected them a building, stayed in it, and said, let's hope for Jesus to come back, and let's stay away from the world. Let's not get messy. Let's not get dirty. Let's not get out there and engage people that don't think like us. We, we, we're believers. We should stay here together. We should huddle up, hunker down, and be ready for Jesus to come back. Notice the second word in that sentence. Therefore, go! Like, go! Y'all got to get out of your little holy huddles. You got to get out of these little structures, and you got to engage a world that desperately needs to know who I am. It's not the first time he said it. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he said to them, go into all the creation and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go. Go. See, it's awesome if, if, if we, all these things that, that we've been talking about are building up to this. See, when we think discipleship, that's this really fancy word for like spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. And somewhere along the way, I think we've defined spiritual maturity the wrong way. Like we define spiritual maturity by like how much we attend church, how much Bible we have memorized. 
I would say spiritual maturity is best evidenced by how well we love lost people. Y'all with me this morning? That spiritual maturity is defined by how well we love, especially how well we love lost people. And that if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, we have to be willing to get out. You know what? Sometimes I wonder if God is not allowing us yet to have a building because maybe we, before we have that building, we need to make sure that this is solidified in the culture of our church. Because if not, we'll fall in love with a structure. And can I just tell you, over the last year, I've... Over the last year, I've spent more time thinking and praying about how to get us a building than how to reach lost people. I'm sorry. Because 10 years ago, we didn't move here to build a building. We moved here to start a church. And that's not a building. And so today, church, I want to remind us that our mission is to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. And to do that, we have to get outside of these walls and reach people. And I think Jesus gave us like, like this hierarchy, this priority of, of how we go about engaging the world that we live in with the gospel. And look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When Jesus says this, it's one of, the, one of the final things that Jesus says before he leaves this world, before he ascends into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Like the Holy Spirit is coming on you to give you power. And that Holy Spirit coming on you to give you power is with the purpose. And it's not for the purpose of, 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 of making you, helping you build a bigger building or just in, increase numbers for no reason. He says, so that you will be my witnesses. So that you will be the mouthpiece of God. So you will be the ones to tell the other people in this world who don't yet know me about me. Everybody together on that's what Jesus is saying. So you will be my witnesses. See, the Holy Spirit is coming to empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I think there's a lot of play at the scripture. And if you've ever attended Vintage 101, you've heard me kind of break this down, because I believe Jesus is, is reminding us of what we are going to be doing, that we will be his witnesses. We will be the ones that take his message out to the world. And I think he says, he's saying, first in Jerusalem, and then in all Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And I think what Jesus is really saying is, here's the priority list for where you're supposed to go. First in Jerusalem. And for me, that means our first priority is our community. Our first responsibility to reach is this community. You with me? Because this is what I don't understand. I've watched my whole life, I've watched churches reach around the world to help people and ignore the people across the street. That we will raise funds to send to all these countries that, that definitely need it. That we'll go on missions trips to places around the world while there are people within our churches, within our communities. We're sitting in middle school. You can't fathom the need that exists in this building. Can't fathom the need that exists in this building. And so when you ask, like, all right, Matt, like, what do we, first, I hear people ask me all the time, what y'all do for missions? You know, my answer is everything. We're the church. 
Everything we do is mission. Everything we do is centered around that. But our first priority, where the majority of our resources and energy is going to go, is to meet the needs and to reach the people that are lost in this community. That's why we do some of the things that we do. Then, secondly, in Judea, to me, that's like our state and our nation. Our state and our nation. Like, that's the part. First, it's your community. Then it's your state and your nation. And then he says, Samaria, our world. Like, Jesus is giving us a priority list of how we reach people. And see, we've, I think the church has gotten this so wrong. Because, we've again, we've, we've decided it, it's easier not to reach into our community. It's not as messy. Casey talked about last week how, how serving people is messy. Like, if you're going to reach people, it's messy. I'll never forget the very first time I came to one of our youth meetings when Casey started our youth ministry, I saw three fights and heard two F-bombs. And so I'm thinking, oh, I thought, this is awesome. Because you know what is here? Kids who need Jesus. And see, here's the thing. People who don't know Jesus act like people who don't know Jesus, and sometimes that scares people who do know Jesus. But, and, and some people, would, we had some people think, I'm not taking my kid back there. I understand what you're trying to say. But how do we reach lost people if we're afraid to engage them? How do we change a world that we try so desperately to avoid? How do we introduce people to Jesus when we're not willing to introduce ourselves? Starts in this community. So here's the question. How, how, do, how do we do that? I want to tell you how Vintage does that. We, we think of, of, of outreach in three kind of arenas. Number one, there's things that we need to pioneer. We need to be the pioneers of certain ministries and certain initiatives, like things that, that we do as a church, things that we come up with in order to reach out and engage lost people and connect with people who don't know Jesus. There's things that we need to do. And so we've tried to think of different ways to do this. Everything from our Thanksgiving meal initiative that puts us into families' homes and allows us to build relationships and do awesome things. And, and here's, a, here's the thing I need you to understand. Reaching lost people is about relationships. Some Amen, somebody. That's how we reach lost people. We engage them, we build a relationship with them, we tell them about Jesus. So like if you're, we're, we're never, and, and we're never gonna stand on a corner and shake signs at folks. Like we're never gonna stand at Walmart and pass out little Roman road tracks and say, here. Like how we introduce people to Jesus is we introduce ourselves. We build relationships. And we're gonna pioneer at times to do things that, that, that other people aren't doing. And we're constantly thinking about stuff like that that we can do. People have asked about our, our, our trunk or treat event, which we, we did for several years, which is a huge event that costs us somewhere in between ten dollars and $12,000. We didn't do it last year. You know why? Instead, we took that money and we put that money into the community in a way that we thought would better reach people for Jesus. Because, yeah, the, the trunk or treat thing is awesome, and we may do it at some time again, but what we realize is it gets exposure for our church, and people get to see who we are, but people are moving through a line just to get candy real quick, and we don't even have a good chance to really interact with them and engage them. And if we think we can redirect those resources in a better way to reach people, guess what? That's what we're going to do. It's just what we're going to do. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that event, and we may do it again some way if we can figure out a way to leverage it in a way that best helps us.
do something. Well, everybody other, and we hear say, well, every other church is doing it. Well, y'all have fun going to their event. You don't need ours. There's times we're going to pioneer. There's times we need to partner. Like there's other ministries in our community that are doing really, really good things. And we just need to come alongside them and resource them and connect with them. The CUOC, which is a ministry in Ashboro, has an amazing ministry to reach people. And so, you know, we've already committed to do, start funneling more and more resources financially because we have, on a weekly basis, we get more calls than you can imagine of people who are in need in our church that we want to connect with. And what we're finding is we don't have the greatest process to be able to screen those and, and figure out how to help and those kinds of things. So we're looking to partner with ministries that have, are, we, don't, we want to reinvent the wheel when we find ministries in our community that are already doing it, let's get behind them, let's support them, let's volunteer with them. And so we're trying to partner with those, those ministries. One of those ministries is run by a guy in our very own church. It's called The Bridge Project. And it's run by Andrew Oliver, who is a part of our congregation, a part of our church family. And The Bridge Project does a lot of things to help especially fatherless minority males in our county. And they're doing amazing things. And we have an, a, a, a cool initiative that we are partnering with them to do now or to do next that we are excited about. They, they have a heart for, that ministry has a heart for the housing authority. And that's a, a heart that we have too. And we have been planning to do a block party at the housing authority sometime later this month. And we started just asking the question, all right, a block party is awesome. And we can go in there and we can engage that community and we can do really fun things. But here's the problem that we had. We engage them for an afternoon and then we leave. And so what can we do in order, if people come to know Jesus through relationships, how can we go into that community where, where a lot of them are unchurched people who, who, who may know God, who may know, we don't even really know. How can we engage them in such a way that allows us to build relationships with people that you're not going to rub elbows with in your normal circle of life? And so in connection with the Bridge Project, we've decided that we're going to start doing like a family meal night where we go in, we buy all the ingredients, we buy all the groceries, and we invite the community to come over. They have a community center, and we're going to go in there, and together, people from our church and people from the housing authority are going to stand in the kitchen and cook a meal. Together. We're not going to take food down there. We're going to invite them to come help us cook. And then after, as we walk through preparing that meal, we're going to sit down and have that meal together and just have a conversation and build relationships. Then, that night, we're going to provide enough stuff that every person from the house authority that comes and hangs out with us that night is going to take home the recipe for the meal that we cooked that night and every ingredient they need to take that home and do it in their own home. July 19th will be our first time. Then starting in September, September we're going to do that once a month until God tells us to quit. Remember what Acts said? They broke bread in their homes and they shared a meal together. We're going to engage that community. Because I believe as we sit down over a plate of spaghetti for a couple hours that you can build a relationship with somebody that otherwise you never would have been able to. And maybe that, just maybe that relationship somewhere down the road will give you the opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. I'm excited about that. You excited about that? That's awesome. Okay, y'all are not excited. Okay, I am. But not only that we also want to partner to reach our world. 
we've partnered since we've begun with the, with the North Carolina East District of the Wesleyan Church, who we're planted in partnership with, to plant several churches across our state, healthy churches. Because we think the best way to reach other cities in our state is through other healthy churches like Vintage in those communities. And so we've been a part of planting several churches. We've supported them financially. We've done, I've done leadership development with different church planners that are, that are planting churches in places like Newburn and Wilmington. Now one is about to launch in Greensboro area. That's just planting churches to reach people for Jesus. We think the best way to re- reach our world is through partnering with that same or those same organizations. And for the last several years, we've been taking a trip to Haiti every other year. We just got back from our third team down in Haiti, and we've invested over $30,000 into that community that's h- helping other churches be planted and started. We put a roof on a church back in April. That church is now meeting at some point right now, maybe as we're speaking, there's people being reached in a little community called T. Palmese in Haiti because we had a team that went down and slept in the rain and crazy heat and all kinds of stuff for a few days. And we think, you know what, every other year is not good enough. So we're just going to start going every year. So we're going back to Haiti in 2018. And if you're interested in going, we've already set the dates. August 29th through September 5th, 2018, we're taking another team to Haiti. August 29th through September 5th, we're taking another team to Haiti in 2018. And so we're looking for 12 more people that are willing to uproot your life for a week, go live in some crazy conditions, and help us go serve the people in Haiti. And applications are going to be starting accepted starting today. If you will send those to matt at vintagechurch.net, we'll give you more information about those trips. And if we're going to reach our world, we have to continue to look for new ways to get outside the walls of this church and do powerful, amazing things for the glory of God. Through pioneering ministries, through partnering with existing ministries in order to reach people. But there's one, one other area, one other place. Not only can we as a church pioneer and partner, this has to become personal. This has to become personal. Like if we're going to reach this community, if we're going to change people's lives for Jesus, it can't be something that we look to do corporately. Like you can't calendar when to reach people for Jesus. You can't invent when to reach people for Jesus. You can't just start thinking of corporate initiatives and think, oh, I hear people talk about this. As we haven't done an outreach event in so long. I haven't done an outreach event in so long. I'm like, well, then you're not a very good Christian. Because every single day you get opportunities to reach out. Come on, somebody. Every single day, you cross paths with somebody who needs to know about Jesus. Every single day, there's somebody in your life, a family member, and and they may know God, but they're not in relationship with Jesus. They may have some affiliation with church, or they may have a Bible in their home or something, but they don't know an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. And so I want to challenge you today to not just look for, for times when we pioneer places where we can partner, but for you to personally own this. I have people all the time come to me and say, hey, will you come talk to my dad about Jesus? No, you talk to your dad about Jesus. Because that's your mission field. And so, as, as we finish up this morning, I want, I want to challenge you personally to own this. Who in your life needs Jesus? Where do you need to be a witness? It's not Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the world. It's your home, your neighborhood, your office, 
your school, the ball field, the gym, somewhere where God has ordained you to be the mouthpiece to tell other people about Jesus. He said every single day people are being saved. You know what that tells me? That every single day people are telling other people about Jesus. It wasn't, they, they didn't have outreach events planned every day. Okay, guys, tomorrow here's where we're meeting. No, it was as they were going along, as they were doing life, as they were engaging other people, they were allowing Jesus to be a part of the conversation. We moved up here. I didn't want to grow this church by inspiring people to transfer parking lots. So that people from another church could say, hey, I, come, I like that church better. I like what they do better. What they do is more kind of my style. I had no desire for that. Transferring parking lots is not how you grow a church. Transforming, transforming lives is how you grow a church. I want to be a part of a ch- I, th- These two lines came to me this week. I want to be a part of a church that's more concerned for the lost than competitive for the found. I want to be a part of a church that's more concerned for the lost than competitive for the found. Because you know what I think we do sometimes? We think, oh, what are other churches doing? Let's do like what they do so that maybe we can get those people here. No. I want to be a part of a church that's more compassionate for them than consumed with us. And if we'll do that, I believe the best days of this church will be ahead of it. It says every day, the Lord added to their number those who are being saved. That only happened because the people that were a part of that early movement took personal their responsibility to be his witnesses. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Where are you supposed to be witnessing? To whom are you supposed to be witnessing? That's what I'd love for everybody in the room to do. Would you just pray that God would use you? Would you pray that God would use you to be his witnesses like never before? Would you, would you ask God to le- allow you to leave this room, this building today, burning for that desire? looking for opportunities like you never have to share Jesus, to tell people about who he is, to love on those who don't know God, to allow people that are in your life who maybe have just gotten satisfied with just knowing a little bit about God but not living in relationship with God, that you would be the catalyst, that you would be the difference maker, that you would be the mouthpiece, that you would be the one to speak up and show up and share and do what you need to do in order to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. Inspiring people to live and love like like Jesus is the mission of this church but it is only as effective as every individual who's willing to own that mission personally. Who is it you need to talk to? 
Who do you need to call maybe even on the way home today and set up a lunch, a time to connect, a time to speak into their lives and tell them about who Jesus is. You have a mission field and it's time to live on mission. Father God, I pray that today that this would be a turning point for our church because it would be a turning point for the people that are sitting in this room. That people for maybe the first time would feel the weight and responsibility and the privilege they have to share Jesus with the world around them. God, that you would use us to be your mouthpiece and that you would begin to move in us, Lord. God, your spirit came and it moved among the people and it moved among the people because they left a building, they left the structure, they left their huddles and went out and told people about the love of Jesus. And so, God, I pray that you would breathe a new desire in us as a people for this purpose, God, so that when we leave this place, we share Jesus like we never have before. God, may your spirit move on us, and may the best days of our church lie ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship, church. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.